Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. And I'm Lena Morgan. And this is Song vs. Song, our quasi-Halloween episode. Sure. Through sheer coincidence, because, uh, you know, the world is a vampire. A thing that I say regularly. <laughs> and so we are going to be doing the Foo Fighters, My Hero versus the Smashing Pumpkins, Bullet with Butterfly Wings. And for this special 90s alt-rock episode, we have a special guest in the studio. Please introduce yourself. Hey, guys. Uh, I, my name is Joe Quazala, and I'm a comedian, and I have an album out called Funny Songs and Sketches, and I'm so happy to be rejoining the pod. I've been on your podcast before. Who, uh, who cares about the Rock Hall of Fame? Is, are the Foo Fighters already in the the Rock Hall of Fame? Ooh, baby, they are. They are the most industry insider, uh, first year ballot in. This would have been two years ago, twenty twenty one. They yeah, got that's in, right. I think we were talking about that. Yeah, they got in immediately. I mean, Dave Grohl's on the nominating committee. He's kind of the face of the Rock Hall, so that was like a foregone conclusion. Smashing Pumpkins, though, not in, but I would say will be within five years. Uh, I think that would have been a, more of a lock had the Smashing Pumpkins, or at least Billy Corgan, not spent the last 20 years doing what he has done. Yeah, you know, he's got some controversial opinions. He has also uh, never been considered a nice uh, fellow. He, he has a reputation as being a, a prickly pear, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really liked, I found a, a, a video on YouTube, which is like, is Dave Grohl actually a nice guy? Here's some people who might disagree. And the people were like, Axl Rose, <laughs> Courtney Love. And I was like, okay, yeah, the I most chaotic people you can think of. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't know that this really proves anything. Like, actually, you know, did you know that he and Kurt didn't always get along? I'm, wow, really? Two guys I in a band? Im- I can't imagine. That went from nothing to the most famous uh, musicians in the world. They were, it was a little rocky uh, occasionally. Yeah, hard sure. to believe that that a band that had a lead singer who had severe drug problems because of insane pain problems, who hated fame, would be prickly with other people. Uh, yeah, that hmm. proves Dave Grohl is not a nice guy. Anyway, it's the silliest video I've ever seen. <laughs> Pretty wild. That's the game on YouTube now. Get someone, get someone to click on the on the video, and then you you get the you get the numbers. They get a piece of the game. This is an episode I've had in the back pocket for a tiny bit. I don't know why these two bands specifically. I was like, is it the We Hate Courtney Love showdown? Mm. I, was like, I didn't no. know. I was kind of curious as to see why it was because I, I, I thought, I don't know why it's these two songs or even these two bands. I, I, I've just kind of always associated the two of them together for some reason. And it's not just the fact that they both fucking despise Courtney Love because that is the entire 90s all rock scene. I don't know. They just struck me as like the two biggest bands, the two biggest alt rock bands of the post grunge era. I mean, grunge for the most part ends in 1994 mm-hmm. when Kurt dies. And except, except what? Except for kind of, I mean, like, are we not counting the early Foo Fighter stuff as? I don't, I don't really count it. Really? Just alt? Yeah. The line is blurry. I don't but know. For me, like, 94 Mel- Melancholy is like, still feels. At least some tracks, pretty grungy. I mean, the the line between alt and grunge is is, is so blurry. It's it's kind of silly, but for me, like the obviously Nirvana over because Kurt was dead, and the rest of the bands the of the big four bands still existed. But 
they were it felt like the on the, they were on their way out like they all released more albums that were just not as big as they were back in the early 90s versus the smashing pumpkins who are like we are going to be famous we are not not going to like run from fame like kurt or like pearl jam or anything like that the foo fighters i i don't know if they had that same kind of like we were like famous at all costs energy but like they have stuck around like they have had like absurd longevity which i don't think happens without like some serious energy devoted to that yeah i mean it's it's the, their run is pretty much unmatched the only band i would maybe put up there as red hot chili peppers in terms of a group that can anytime they release songs and albums all rock radio will just play it they're still pretty big but yeah foo fighters has maintained a consistency often by sticking to a formula and i think dave's uh love of publicity certainly <laughs> is you know it's a, it's a cause and effect kind of thing yeah so these are these two bands i was like they strike me as the biggest of their generation in the mid 90s and i was like well which uh, i'm gonna put it to you did i pick the two right songs because to me like uh, these are not necessarily their best but definitely 100 percent their biggest Although I guess Everlong might have overtaken it. By yeah, now, I I would say in the in the long run. See, with Smashing Pumpkins, this is I think I would put this as their kind of like signature song. You can make a you can make a argument for 1979, but I think it's I think it's Bullet with Butterfly Wings. This is probably the song that gets the most plays on radio still. And then I think it is their their kind of defining work. They it was the lead single off this very anticipated album, which ended up being their their biggest. But with Foo Fighters, yeah, I would Everlong to me is is the one that is their signature song. And then after that, I would probably put Best of You, although that that breaks out of kind of what you're trying to do here with with the 90s and, and kind of 90s rock. But, you know, yeah. when the Foo Fighters played at their induction ceremony, they played Everlong, they played Best of You and they played My Hero. Yeah, I I think my hero would be number two, but like Everlong has had the very long tail. At the time, my hero felt like the song mm-hmm. for me. That's why I picked these two particular songs. So I, I must ask you now, both of you, which is the better song? Ooh, um, but <laughs> yeah, you know, I and I like I like both of them, and I probably as a it, as a group, I might like Smashing Pumpkins more, but I feel like they they maybe burned brighter but burned faster. Because to me, mm-hmm. it's like Siamese Dream and then Melancholy and Infinite Sadness. Those are the two albums. I I don't think I know a single song outside of those two albums. You will not hear any song outside of those two albums on the radio today, but they've got mm-hmm. seven or so songs from those two albums that are played constantly and I, I consider to be classics of that era Whereas Foo Fighters, it's like they release an album every two years and there's usually two or three songs off each album that the lay person would know, right? So it's a little bit different. Like you said, they they were able to extend it a little bit longer. And so that, you know, there there's something to respect about that if we're just talking about the bands, right? But my first instinct is that Bullet With Butterfly Wings is weirder. It's a little more daring of a song with what it attempts to do. 
and I think it rocks a little bit harder. So my first thought is that I would give it to Bullet with Butterfly Wings. Okay, Lena has had a face that I cannot quite <laughs> describe this entire time. The second I said which one is better, if I know Lena well enough, it's that we're going to get like a either a very conflicted answer or a both barrels hot take right in the face. So I uh, I hated Bullet with Butterfly Wings, and it came out. Oh really? I hated it. And here's hated and look, it. Let's wow. let's be very let's be. I think that uh, I fell prey to um, a bit of the pop culture of the time <laughs> because what I remember was Siamese Dream came out, and that was a CD that if you had it, you're pretty cool. Oh, you got Siamese Dream in the collection. You're pretty cool. Do you have Gish? Super cool. Um, the, the debut. Yeah, but somewhere. Along the line, this thing happened, which is that too many girls liked Smashing Pumpkins. I think. I do think. I mean, like, in hindsight, I'm looking back on and trying to understand because the idea of them being sellouts by the time Melancholy came out, which is a weird claim to make of a band doing a double album. Yeah. Um, But that was, I remember there was this attitude in my school that they were kind of um, really corny and cheesy and... I think it was just that girls liked them, to be honest with you. I think that's really what that boiled down to. Yeah. And I I had a hard time liking bands that other people were like, oh, that band sucks. And I was like, oh, that band's not cool to like anymore. I don't like them. So I didn't really like that that song in particular. And I think that the extension of that is the world is a vampire did in fact Dude. seem... I remember hearing that and being like, what? It's weird. Are you, <laughs> are you 12? <laughs> And I was like, these, these lyrics guy, what are we doing? Um, my hero is boring. That's a boring song. Oh, wow. Old. I never had any feelings about it. And I still don't to this day. There's a lot of Foo Fighter songs that I do really genuinely like. And I appreciate Dave Grohl as being the sort of like ambassador of rock and roll. Like, I think that, that he probably has done a lot of good things for that genre of music for a pretty long time. So it was kind of hard to come into this because my knee-jerk re- response was, uh, I don't really have an answer at all. Wow. And then I, I went back and was like, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll try and listen to them again. And um, My Hero is still boring to me. I still just, like, fundamentally don't find it sonically particularly interesting um, lyrically particularly interesting. Nothing about that song really does anything for me. I don't this disparage anybody who does. I just don't, it does nothing. It does, I absolutely nothing. Like it just like, I, uh, like a big wet noodle. I, you know, it just like absolutely nothing. Whereas wow. I look back on bullet and butterfly wings and think it's still very cheesy, but it, it does feel daring and it made me feel something then. And I've discovered like just sitting down and playing it, I was like, this song is interesting sonically, like the the path that it takes and, and, and the little changes that he makes just as he goes. Um, and also, you know, I think this album in general was a lot more collaborative than Siamese Dream was. But uh, so I guess I don't know. I, I hadn't looked up specifically who wrote each part. But I think I think um, I think Billy wrote the lion's share of the the basic line of the song. That's what and he'll it's tell interesting. you. He, he, he's not going <laughs> to let anybody take any credit for anything that he, that the Smashing Pumpkins ever did. So there are literally interviews from at least that era, wherein the discussion was that this was probably the most collaborative 
um, that the band ever was. And certainly, um, the, the time in which I think at least during the recording when the band was kind of getting along. Mm -hmm. So that's nice. Anyway, I just think that it's a more interesting song. Um, so I would give it to bullet with butterfly wings. I, I will admit that bullet with butterfly wings is the, the hookier song. Like my hero goes like full force all the time. And it's, it is a little like getting hit with bricks and bullet with butterfly wings is like the, I guess the catchier song. And I can absolutely tell you, it is certainly more fun to sing at karaoke. You can All really Smashing Pumpkins yeah. songs are fun to sing at karaoke, quite honestly. And the fuck are my car keys? Speaking of, speaking of uh, funny sketches and songs. Um, yeah, right. He's doing the, the, the who was that? Stephen Lynch? It is Stephen Lynch. That's right. Yeah. Where the fuck are my car keys? You were right here in my hand. That's uh, funny because you hadn't even heard their cover of Fleetwood Mac's Landslide until recently. So you didn't even understand that joke. Wait, you me? didn't. Yeah, I remember you were like, you had heard the, the oh, Smashing Pumpkins right. version I of forgot. Landslide for the first time, and you were like, wow, was like this is the most uh, where the fuck are my car keys sounding band they'd ever, uh, sound they'd ever done. I was like, oh, you didn't even get that joke at all, because that I think that's like a direct reference. Yeah, kind of uh, hit me like a landslide, I guess. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I think My Hero is, uh, it's very, very simple, right? It, it gets to the chorus pretty fast. And then it maybe goes back to a verse, but a lot of it is is the chorus, the kind of same thing. Whereas Butterfly Wings has different parts of it. It actually has a pre-chorus and a bridge, and you know, it's uh, it, it, what it's doing is a, a little more ambitious. Yeah, I, I when I went back and listened to it a couple times, what I found myself thinking was, if you're listening to my hero, the lead line is doing a lot of the lift. Right, it's doing that build each time that like that thing, and 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 the way that the vocals go also like, but it does that repeatedly just over and over again. Where to me, there's that do 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 and what's nice about that is that it's it's basically the same chords in each spot the 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 verse, the pre-chorus and the chorus, but he changes them just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then when you get into the chorus, he adds the, um, the D into it. And, uh, yeah, boy, this is the most boring way to present this, but, um, <laughs> music theory, everyone. It just is. It's just a much more interesting song. And then he, he throws in a little F sharp, which is very beatly. It's if there's something like very 1960s about, about that. And I know that a lot of those guys were very influenced by that era. So, it's just a much more interesting song. Like he does exactly enough that like your brain is constantly processing little moves, little mm-hmm. changes. Yeah. So many, so many different parts has an outro even better I, music video too. Sorry, everybody. Oh, I'm a, oh, that's okay. Full disclosure. Everlong is my favorite song. I decided that at age 15 and I have never revised that. Yeah. If this was Everlong, so, I would over bullet with butterfly wings. I would, it would be a tougher choice for me. And I would maybe go ever long just cause I think that song is like yeah, tap, for, tapping yeah. into something much more, uh, way more interesting than my hero. Everlong is my favorite song. And I didn't put it up there if only because I felt like that would be a landslide. <laughs> mm. <laughs> right. I, yeah. I mean, we've talked about this. This is that this is like one of those songs Everlong that I don't, it's sort of peerless. 
Yeah, it sort of it feels like there is yeah, there's nothing else that you can sort of pitch it against. Um, and if I was, I would I would probably put it against 1979, honestly, um, over Butterfly Wings. But even then, I I'll tell you something. Had it been, and this is perhaps more um, disreputable opinions, but like, had you taken the first single off the color under shape, which is Monkey Wrench, Monkey Wrench, and put it and, and put it against uh, Butterfly Wings. I might have taken Monkey Wrench. I fucking love that song. That's like a top five Foo Fighters song for me. I remember hearing that song for the very first time, and that song hits you like a tank and does not let up. It's just so rapid fire and so fun. Um, like, it's not as fun a music video as I think they often do, although I like the concept is that, like, Dave sees that, like, somebody's in his apartment and it's somehow it's the Foo Fighters, and, like, he starts calling all the other Foo Fighters who live in the apartment complex and they're all trying to get into the room that the Foo Fighters are in. But that's weird because the Foo Fighters are outside of the room. And then when they finally bust in, the Foo Fighters are running away from them. So they pick up the instruments and they start playing. And at the very end of the song, you see that Dave Grohl with the Foo Fighters is outside peering into the keyhole again. Weird little cycle. It's a, it's I don't know. Like in it is rooms. a loop. Anyway, Monkey Wrenches to me um, is a, a yes is a weird is a better song than My Hero, which is super unpopular as opinion. But uh, yeah, all right, I'll stand I mean, by. Uh, every, everyone loves uh, all three of the big singles from Color in the Shape. Uh, I, here's my history: when I decided I was going to get into the rock and roll that my parents wouldn't let me listen to because I had such a restrictive childhood, uh, that was when they had dropped just dropped their third album. Uh, Learn to Fly was the big single off of it. And uh, I like that third album a lot. It's certainly their most interesting album or that one of the more odd albums for a band. That's not very odd at all. It's very meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's, it's no one's life changing thing, but because they were playing the, the new the new singles a lot on VH1 and MTV, they were also playing some of the old, older hits too. And that's where I first heard Everlong. That's why I first bought that second album color in the shape. And that immediately became like my favorite album of all time. Because, you know, I was a teenager and that's a good time to decide what your favorite album is. And uh, I was actually going to lean towards Bullet with Butterfly Wings. But to hear the slander <laughs> in this episode, you feel the bad, outright slander. I think I'm, I'm, I'm switching to Dave over here because my hero fucking rocks. What the fuck are you talking about? I, Bullet with Butterfly Wings is a fun song. I love that song. But my hero kind of hits something for me. All right, first off, it has it has the drums. Great, one it of the great the drum intros. Drums. Yeah. And no no disrespect to the late great Taylor Hawkins who did phenomenally when he was in the band, may he rest in peace. I think a lot of people agree that the the second album is their best album because they the Foo Fighters are no longer a one-man band, but Dave is still the drummer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on that album. They hadn't found their permanent drummer yet. Right. And you can make the argument that, you know, Dave is the shit. I, I, again, yeah, I, I don't know if I want to get in this tricky territory, but like Dave is the perfect drummer for the Foo Fighters because he's Dave. You know what I mean? Like Taylor was <laughs> a like proxy for Dave and was great in his in his own way and then became, uh, you know, the Foo Fighters evolved with Taylor and he was the definitive drummer. But when you think of what the kind of the mission of the Foo Fighters was, Dave knows exactly what to do. Yeah. Dave, Dave knows what Dave likes. Yeah. And Dave can accomplish it because he's an excellent drummer. 
Do you remember uh, there was this weird thing that had happened? Um, It was, uh, I think, right around the the Wildflowers era of of Tom Petty. Mm. Oh, yes, I do. They they came on, they went on Saturday Night Live and they performed um, a song off of that record called Honeybee. And obviously this is this is technically a solo record, although it was pretty much the whole band still. But they were losing they were basically losing their their drummer, Steve Lynch. That was like the big thing that was happening. Stan Lynch. Steve Lynch is the guy who did the car keys song. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Stan Lynch. (laughs) I can't believe it. I can't believe that I needed to be corrected about a Tom Petty fact, but here we are. Anyway, so Stan Lynch was basically leaving. Like he'd he I believe that the 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 bottom line on it was that like they were doing Wildflowers and they were doing the greatest hits record and he came back for the greatest hits to do Mary Jane's last dance. Um, but he was not involved with Wildflowers and he was pretty pissed about it. And, and then they kind of parted ways. Yeah. They didn't, they, like, they didn't like him. I think there was always personality uh, issues with the way he behaved and the way the rest of the band behaved. And, you know, he was their drummer and he was good, but I think by that point, you know, you're at that, what, you're 20 years or so into your career. And it's like, uh, maybe, maybe we're, we're done here. Well, he was very loose anyway. That's, that's neither here nor there. Um, so they were trying to figure out what they were going to do about drummer stuff going forward. And, uh, the guy who was the, the session drummer on wildflowers eventually became their drummer going forward. And he's a very technical guy, but there was this brief moment where they had Dave Grohl come in and play honeybee from wildflowers on Saturday Night Live, and it rips. It's absolutely killer. And I think very shortly thereafter, uh, Tom Petty called Dave Grohl up on the phone and was like, hey, would you be our drummer? And Dave was like, I'm done being a drummer, man. My my, my, my drumming in a band days are over. Um, but thank you very much. And he's obviously a huge Tom Petty fan. But like, the reason why they wanted Dave was because he's the he's that middle ground, right? He can be loose and he feels very natural, but Dave is also just an incredibly technically proficient drummer. He's the, he's the, he's the best of both worlds is, is sort of what I'm getting. That, that long rambling story was to sort of explain why it was the reason why you like him is the same reason why I think Tom Petty wanted him to be their new drummer for the heartbreakers. Well, my hero is, I would say his absolute finest moment on the sticks with the Foo Fighters, uh, or just in general? In general, oh, like no, even with no Nirvana, way, like, no oh, way. Yeah. Uh, this is not not a controversial opinion, but <laughs> in bloom, come on, serve. Um, wait, no, is it serve the servants? Is that what I'm thinking about? That bum 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 bum. That's uh, Sentless Apprentice. Sentless Apprentice. There you go. Sorry, I can never remember between the first and two second track of a in utero because I'm old. Uh, anyway, yes, Sentless Apprentice. That's what I always think of as, as being like the quintessential opening drum track from Dave. Uh, for me, it's my hero. That's like a, a really common one to say. It's like, what is Dave's best moment as a drummer? It's my hero. It's up that there, opening right, thing, inarguably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, like there, there is no drum track like that. I know this from playing rock band on drums and trying to play that one. And there are harder tracks, but there is none more fun. It's the exact amount of challenging and fun. Cause you're just like, you want to play it like Dave Grohl. You want to break your equipment while he's doing that. I mean, that's the the thing about Dave Grohl as a drummer. He hits those things so fucking hard. He really it really does possible. Like yeah. how do you still have an intact drum set when you play it like that? 
Yeah, he he, uh, he fucks it up. Uh, I had a friend who was working at the Grammys years ago, and that was his takeaway: was like that dude is wailing on those things. Like it is just without amplification. You're just like fuck, man. Be careful. Yeah, my hero is also one. Of, um, as I recall, every song that Dave released off those first three albums, there was the question like, okay. Is this about Kurt or is this about Courtney? Yeah. And there was a lot of talk. It was like, there was like still a lot of like I had trauma over Kurt Cobain uh, and, you know, his suicide. And so people were kind of reading every alt rock song as being subtextually about Kurt Cobain. This one, especially. Sure. And yeah. I never was quite sure that that's what Dave was singing about. I don't think he's ever said anything about it. Well, he's he's denied that my hero is about Kurt. I, yeah, I think he's yeah. explicitly denied it, and I think he has also said that like uh, Pete Stahl from uh, Scream maybe subconsciously was who he was thinking about. Uh, but I, I think he was just you know sometimes songwriters don't know who they're writing about. You know that they're channeling something that they're it's not top of the mind, but they're they're accessing something subconsciously, but. I think it's funny watching um, how this is like a forever thing, right? Where people want it to be. You heard about this one, didn't you? You know, I found um, this dumb interview with with Howard Stern back in like 2000 where uh, they were playing uh, Monkey Wrench because I like that song. And he was like, hey, Robin, that one's about Kurt Cobain, uh, you know. Yeah, but it's about Kurt. It's about that guy, that dead guy, Kurt Cobain. Uh, and you're like, what, what are we doing? That's his dead friend? What the fuck? Yeah, with a little tact. He's a weird guy. I mean, I think he's probably changed over time, but like, it's always weird to be reminded that like that very early two thousands, Howard Stern is still exactly as abrasive as you remember him being. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I was like, I don't know why is even today, you know, when we were talking about Olivia Rodrigo, it's always like, what's this one? Who's this one about? And it's like, none of your fucking business. Why don't you enjoy the fact that it could be about anyone or anything? What, who do who's it about for you? Relax. Leave me alone. (laughs) Everything's like, about Kurt, is it? Whether or not it was, it certainly felt like it was. You said something that I, I, I was a little offended by. You said uh, the video for Bullet with Butterfly Wings is better. It I is. don't think that at all. Oh, I don't. That's a so, great video. It's a good video. You know, it's the thing about it is that it's weirdly funny to me. I can't tell whether, because, you know, the Foo Fighters, uh, I guess if you don't know, their music videos are often silly. Mm-hmm. They like to have a laugh. They they do. Um, had, had they done a silly video prior to uh, the the one with the Mentos commercial? Probably not. I think because that was like so the, early. You know? That was the first yeah. time I remember them doing like a silly like like just like a, like anything goofy at all, and yeah. like, that was really really silly. So it's and, big uh, me. Yeah, yeah, big me. And in, and in fact, a a um, a Muzak version of Big Me plays when um, Dave gets in the the elevator for the music video for monkey wrench. Yeah. Right. I'm going to keep uh, talking about monkey wrench because that's the song I prefer. Uh, <laughs> but my hero, there's a thing that they do, which is very funny, which is um, when the, the hero goes and gets the baby, they, they put a black bar over the baby's eyes. Oh, right. I forgot about that. And then they go back, he goes back in to get a dog and the dog also has a black bar. <laughs> That's good. It's a good bit. 
but it also feels like they're trying to be both silly and serious. And it, I've always felt like it's a little pick a lane as a music video. I'm like, what are we, what are we doing? And also why that lady just leave her baby in there? What's going on? What a bad parent. That's my takeaway. What was That's the last thing he parent. had to go in there and save? Just like a, 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 a photograph picture. of something. It was a yeah. photograph. And you're like, I, hmm? I don't know for me that always kind of hit because like this poor, uh, hero is you know going in there risking life and limb and like clearly he's like getting worse and worse and like the smoke inhalation is getting to him each time and like he has to keep going back there for like more and more trivial things like i love my dog very much but i'm not going to a burning building like my life is what a bad parent you are you suck just outing yourself there's a whole storyline in this is us about how you why you don't go in there and go get the dog. Oh sure, it's it's the only it's the only thing I know about this is us because it yeah. played after the Super Bowl. I don't know. My hero always felt a little more emotional to me versus uh, Bullet with Butterfly Wings, which is just a you know technically it's angsty because it's a Smashing Pumpkin song uh-huh. and there's they don't do non angsty songs, but that's a fucking headbanger. That to me that one's like Enter Sandman. Or, but there's all those dirty people dirting it up. <laughs> You know, my hero is definitely more of like, if you're at a concert, that can be almost like a spiritual experience. Like it's a song everybody can sing along to. I think often the band will do something like that where Dave stops singing and then everybody is just kind of singing along. It has that uh, value to it. Whereas like, I don't, I don't see that really happening in the same way with Bullet with Butterfly Wings. Not to say that people can't sing along, but it's not quite that same like spiritual experience. I mean, that one's a bull with butterfly wings. Like I've never seen the smashing pumpkins live, although I, you know, I may get the chance because they're still around. Yeah. They're still touring. <laughs> yeah. With green day of all fucking bands. That's pretty cool. Well, there is the other, that's the other band I was thinking of when we were talking about bands that have a ridiculous amount of longevity and who, you know, occasionally will put out a record that'll get a couple of tracks that'll play on the radio or get some kind of attention. I mean, I guess Green Day has finally kind of lost their way on that, but Green Day had a ridiculous longevity. They had a, they had a good run. Absolutely. A, a Bon Jovian longevity. <laughs> you know, not an Aerosmithian, but a Bon Jovian. I don't know if you have a spiritual experience for Bullet with Butterfly Wings, but I'm sure, like, if you saw them in concert, when they played that one, it would tear the fucking roof off the place. Especially if you, you saw them, like, in their prime. Yeah, it's probably like a mosh song almost. Yeah. Like I can see people like, you know, it flipping a switch in terms of like, let's go. Whereas my hero is more like, let's cry. Like let's hold hands and like remember remember, remember those of us who came before. <laughs> yeah. I think that like it's 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 foolish to hold this against the song. Um, but I'll do it anyway. But Foo Fighters also has times like these and like that's the one for me. Like that's the 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 if you're going to have a spiritual moment or you know if Dave's going to stop playing stop playing mm. or stop singing so everybody else can kind of take the spotlight in the crowd uh collectively like that's the one that song is incredible and i, I mean obviously also it's it's taken on um i mean i guess both of these since uh since taylor passed away have taken on like a, a whole new level yeah well not to mention you know there's that i mean this we talk about how Dave was the one who played the drums, but there are live performances where Taylor is, is playing this part and it's, you know, he's, he's nailing it. And it's a big, it's a big moment. I think he would take a, take a solo or really do that intro for a long time before the song started. And then in the tribute concert, it's his son 
who takes the sticks for this song. And it's one of the highlights and, you know, a most emotional moments of that entire concert, which was hours and hours long. You know, what's funny is if you hear a cat screaming in the background, uh, the name of that cat is Dave Growl. Mm. <laughs> That's factually true. Um, I didn't name the cat. That was my, my wife's call, but. Um, Taylor Pawkins. Yeah, another could option <laughs> could it could have been, but he's Dave Growl, and uh, and if if he's bleeding into the audio right now, uh, it's probably the one episode where that feels allowed. You know, it's funny because a screaming cat would sound a lot more like Billy Corgan. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I don't know. It was. It's because he anyway. I was. Gonna find exp- a I was going to explain the the joke, but uh, get a dog, man. It'd be Billy Corgi. See, ah, uh, these are ideas. See, these these are ideas. These are the kinds of ideas that you put on uh, a second-rate podcast. Mm-hmm. Or my new album, Funny Songs and Sketches. <laughs> That's it. Do, I, I, do, do, does Joe talk about uh, dog names intersecting with, with, with major frontmen from bands in his album? You'll have to buy it to find out. I do have a song that's about a dog. That is That is the truth. Well, now it's a must buy. Now, yeah, if I haven't teased you enough, you got to get, now you got to get in there. Ty, what are we doing? (laughs) Anyway, Bullet with Butterfly Wings is, I don't know if their best song, but their most iconic song. And honestly, I was going to say probably overplayed too, which is like maybe my mark against it, which is just like, I have heard that song over and over and over again for the last, you know, 30 years, 25, 30 years. Yeah. I think we're I think we're at twenty or we're about to hit twenty eight. Mm-hmm. I think I believe in December will mark twenty eight years since uh, Melancholy uh, dropped. And it's yeah, I think the single released as far as Wikipedia is telling me October sixteenth, ninety five. Oh, there you go. So there you go. So we're, yeah, we're twenty eight. We passed years out. We passed twenty eight recently. Yeah, w- yeah wild. Yeah. With butterfly wings, do you remember? Be- Wait, do you? How old were you when that came out? When when it came out, I would have been eight years old, wow. and I, the my first memory of this song is it was included in Weird Al's Alternative Polka off of Bad Hair Day, which was a huge album for me, which introduced me to pretty much every one of those songs that's in there. And the they do have a Foo Fighters song in there, and it's I'll Stick Around. I've never been so happy to have asked a question. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing quite unites people who come on this podcast like getting into stuff because of a Weird Al polka. 100%. It was just like, you know, I got into Weird Al's like one of my, you know, and and not not to uh, get get back to the fact that I have an album called Funny Songs and Sketches, but obviously his his music uh, was important to me and made a lasting impact. But it was my foray into music and... I think this this is true for a certain, I was going to say people of a certain generation, but I think this is true for every generation. You, you you get a silly song and then you're like, oh, what is this the parody of? Or if it's in a polka, you're like, what is this thing I'm hearing? And then it's kind of a, you know, a diving board into regular music, serious music, as it were. Uh, this is so stupid, but I was originally introduced to Bullet with Butterfly Wings through like a radio DJ parody. Oh wow! I found online. <laughs> uh, it was about uh, it was about uh, working at McDonald's or something like that. And I could probably, if I put my mind to it, I could probably uh, remember every line of it. 
What was the chorus though? Like what I mean, or, I was like, did this oh, Jesus son despite a tiny raise, I am starving on minimum wage. There we go. <laughs> Pretty good. And now, yeah. now I mean, I don't want, I don't want to be like, what was this line? What was that line? But I do want to know <laughs> the world is a vampire. That will be the other, my other request. I'll work on a deep fryer. <laughs> That's pretty good. That That's me, pretty good. That was so jarring to me. It might knock my headphones off. <laughs> I don't know. Whoever no. wrote that should be proud. Yeah. No, no, no. no. The, the pre-chorus was the, the, the finest moment. It was like, if I save my dough for a month or so, Goddamn. I could buy a can of Coke. Wow. It's a joke. Perfect. Pretty, Absolutely perfect. Also good. Good. So politics. I can still remember that 30 years later. It's like, yeah, it still hits. That's depressing. <laughs> what'd you, what'd you say, Joe? Oh, I was saying the politics are good. It's like sometimes that like zoo crew radio shit, like yeah. it's, it's politics are whack, but that one is like worker solidarity. I, I like it. Yeah. Like for the record saying for Billy Corgan as a lyricist, despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage is almost like too perfect a line. Like the, it's like the line of the fucking nineties. Like mm-hmm. it's the entire genre summed up into a single line, which is why he sings it over and over again. Like, yeah. like when you've come up with that, like, like he, he wrote an entire double album. Like, you you got the one line. That's all you needed. Yeah. Right. It, it's a, it's a, it's a potent one for sure. Yeah. I'm looking up. Silly. I want to credit. It's a silly, it's a silly line. It's, it's, it's silly and it's perfect. Silly, but like there, the, the angst of that era, I think was also pretty silly when we look back on it. so I think that kind of does make it perfect. Uh, and I, I did look up the, the parody artist just cause I want to give them credit, but I, a guy named Bob rivers, uh, of the Bob Rivers show broadcast out of Seattle. Wow. You found it. <laughs> Yeah, Thanks, I haven't Bob. thought about this in a billion years, <laughs> even though I could still remember most of the lines. Yeah, very impressive. Uh, or sad. I don't know, like the <laughs> the Smashing Pumpkins. I was like, were, were they a silly band? I mean, I think I think Billy took Billy was not silly. <laughs> Billy, I think Billy took it very seriously. I think he took his his work seriously, but also Billy's voice is kind of silly. You know, it's nasally yeah. and the whiny uh, voice, Baldy. Yeah. And him well, saying that's the world very important pepper. to note that um, uh, Bullet Butterfly Wings as a music video was the, was the last time that he still had hair. Yeah, that was the last one. And then you know it, it, it's funny because they're at their peak, but like I I like sometimes forget that he ever had hair. It's just the cue ball look was the Corgan look, but for a while, and it, when he was on The Simpsons, he had hair too. Oh right. It's just, just yes, so weird to see, but yeah, he was, I, I just think of him, him and Moby as like the, the kings of the, the quintessential bald white guys of the nineties. Yeah. And maybe, maybe all time. I remember <laughs> once he said he picked his band for quote, maximum visual impact. Yeah, sure. And then probably Jimmy Chamberlain. Cause he was the best drummer around. I would, <laughs> I would assume. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that, that does help. I don't know. It's so funny that we keep talking about a boat with butterfly wings as though it's, it's, it's definitively, the pinnacle. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe this is again, old age, uh, peeking through, but like, man, the big hits off of Siamese dream are so good. Sure. They're so fucking good. 
I mean, like, like, I, like I said before, I think they, I think there's about seven or so songs that are just like exceptional, like poppy alt rock songs. Like he, he understood a hook really well. And uh, yeah, I, 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 this is probably to, to Todd's point, the biggest, the signature song, but I, I would argue from personal preference, not, not towards the top for me necessarily. I think it would be fun, um, and we can table this for later, but I'll tell you, uh, I constantly think about doing song versus song where it's two songs by the same band. Mm. And it would be pretty funny if we did today versus tonight, tonight. That's, that's, <laughs> it's really set up for that, isn't it? It is. It is. And it would be really, uh, you know, not to, not to tip my hand, hard to decide. Mm-hmm. The, like, those are songs that I would say, if I had to put hand on heart, um, not which is like, better but which ones i prefer uh, i would take either of those songs off over bullet butterfly wings um just because i mean today was was the first smashing pumpkin song i ever heard and i remember it, it, it blew my head off of my body when i heard it um and i remember watching the music video and being like who's that hot girl and it was james eha um, <laughs> and uh, that that definitely helped inform a lot of my thoughts later in life. I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't, it's weird looking at bo- butterfly wings because obviously I have no universal sense of how everybody across the globe felt, but I remember that the, the teenagers that I was around at the time thought that that song was cheesy. They liked other songs off of that album, but that song at the time with that group felt like it was a, a like like they'd become a bit of a parody of themselves with it. Interesting, yeah. Because I mean, I my recollection was nobody was thinking about who I the people I was around. Nobody was thinking about uh, music that deeply. They were just all kind of like this song rips, and I was like, hell yeah, <laughs> yes. I, I, I think. It might help that I was, I mean, I was 15 when this album dropped, right? Which is, I feel like when you're a sophomore slash junior in high school, you've never been more conceited and more wrong in your life. (laughs) Um, You know, it's just like, just your head's crammed so far up your own ass at that age. And um, yeah, we all had really fucking strong music opinions at 15 and 16. Like, I don't, I don't think I've ever been more opinionated about music than I was at that moment. Man, I remember when I got into the Smashing Pumpkins, like I heard, uh, you know, they were on MTV all the goddamn time. So I was like, I'm going to go out and get this album. And the album I am talking about is, of course, Machina, The Machines of God from the year 2000. (laughs) That was my introduction to the Smashing Pumpkins. Not a door? Okay, whatever. No, not a door. At least commercially, the Smashing Pumpkins fell off real goddamn quick. Yeah, none of that. Uh, none of the stuff after melancholy. And I say this as a person who listens to terrestrial radio like quite a bit. Uh, nothing after melancholy has withstood the test of time, even a little bit. You will never hear anything from the period after. You just won't. No, I've I've never heard it once, and I'm like honestly kind of surprised that I uh, knew the Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, like even like at the time, they were still playing, trying to get more hits. So VH1 was like obliging them and playing their new stuff. Well, they had one last hit after this, I feel, but it wasn't off of an album, not off an album of theirs. 
Um, you talk about was, the end is the beginning is the end. Yeah, is the yeah, beginning. yeah, the, the, yeah. Like that is for, is for, 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 for a song that is called "The End Is the Beginning Is the Beginning Is the End," it was pretty mid. But bam. Uh, but you know, uh, it was it was pretty popular, uh, and it was attached to the Batman and Robin soundtrack. Batman and Robin, that's right. Uh, but, but that, that was it. That's the last one I remember getting a solid bit of play. Mm-hmm. And but it, it, that one is gone though. That, it is gone. Nobody right now, thinks about yeah, it now. You can, yeah, you will not be able to find it or hear it in the wild. Yeah, it's, it's, it is weird how thoroughly the the Foo Fighters and the Smashing Pumpkins diverge. Like Foo Fighters, like just like regular meat and potato rock band who went on forever and also became like one of the most beloved human beings in rock. I mean, I can certainly tell you things about Dave Grawl because I was such a big fan for so long that would rub you wrong and you wouldn't want to know about him. But like overall, the man is like practically a saint mm-hmm. versus Billy Corgan, who became just like a giant, bigger and bigger asshole. Mm-hmm. Seemingly wanted to do that, too. Like almost maybe took some sick pleasure in being a, a prick. It, it's weird because he's like he's, he's he's trying to turn it around like these last few years and be like, no, I can be like the, you know, the calm, thoughtful uh, well-liked elder statesman of rock. Like he's doing the, you know, he's doing the double bill with green day. Yeah. I mean, he has a legacy to try and, uh, you know, defend. Yeah. I mean, like I, I genuinely believe if he wasn't such, uh, a wad, he would probably be <laughs> in the rock and roll hall of fame already. But I think that is what, one of the main reasons why he, they have not even been nominated before. I mean, it's at that and it's, they are kind of considered like two album wonders, right? But I think when you, again, we have like seven songs off those two albums that hasn't stopped more than that. I, yeah. Even, yeah. Like, depending, depending on who you talk to, I would, I would put seven though in that like top tier. Uh, but also like that has not stopped a number of artists from getting inducted, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, the Sex Pistols made one album period and they're in. Absolutely. So, and they're giant assholes or at least the main guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Talk about a wad, Johnny Rotten. Good Lord. Yeah. Well, you can't say he didn't warn you, but <laughs> it's in the name. I don't know. Are Oasis in yet? Because there's another two album uh, band. Nope, not. They haven't been nominated. I, I'm I'm looking forward to more 90s rock bands being nominated. Now that Rage finally got in this year after five times on the ballot. They seem to have been taking up that slot and then it just wasn't wasn't budging. But they finally got through this year so. What if it turns out that Dave Grohl is the one keeping Smashing Pumpkins out, <laughs> like single-handedly behind the scenes? He's, being he's like, in the nominating committee. I, I mean, know. That's but, what I'm saying. Like, what if he's got some, like, he's got, we know he's got juice, but like, what if he's the reason? Like, he's like, don't let those guys in. What if he like really hates Billy Corgan and he's just like, no. Then you'd be, maybe I'd be like, fine. But if he was like, I hate Darcy, I'd be like, fuck you, Dave. On, what the man. hell? Come on. Uh, but the, yeah, it's funny to think about only one person in that room having a problem with Billy Corgan because there's no doubt yeah, no many, doubt, many no stories doubt. amongst uh, all of them. Well, it's sort of like, um, I mean, we uh, we talked about this on your podcast many months ago, the fact that like Paul McCartney um, went in and like gave the John Lennon speech when they inducted John mm-hmm. Lennon in pro- on the proviso that the next year he would be let in. Oh yeah. And it was a thing that he didn't even care about. It was a thing that Linda, his wife, wanted mm-hmm. and um then the guy the who had past. made that promise was like Haha, just kidding you're not getting in and then linda fucking died yeah 
And I was like, that's maybe one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. Not good. And the guy. That's one of the most fucked up things you could do to a rich guy who's got literally everything. Yeah. The guy that you're referencing is recently canceled. Uh, oh, yeah. Jan it's Winter. the same guy. Jan Winner. And the, the story really is that like, uh, and I think it's indicative of how one person as powerful as they might be within the rock hall does not have this uh, kind of puppet master ability to make anything happen. Uh, because obviously if you're like Paul McCartney personally asked you to do something, uh, yeah, you're gonna, especially Jan Winter, who was a big time star fucker, but he, he brought up Paul McCartney, uh, for the next year and then didn't get on the ballot. And so he did all he could, but you know, that's even Paul McCartney doesn't fully know how the, how the rock hall works. Uh, so he, he was mad and I get it because Jan shouldn't have promised that. Do you, do we think Dave Grohl should take that spot? Take the spot of uh, Jan Wenner? Yeah, yeah. Should he become like the guy? I mean, he as already- close to- he already, Is he the guy? He, I mean, he he's the public face. When they did the, uh, in 2020, when they had to do a virtual induction, Dave like introduced it, you know, because that's like, who else is going to be like, hi, do you want to watch a thing about rock and roll? You pick, you pick Dave Grohl. He is to the rock hall what Taylor Swift became to like record store day, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that is watch it. Yeah, it's it's been said many times before. Watch a documentary about rock and roll. Oh, he'll be. And in if it, you yeah. don't see Dave Grohl in there, turn it off. For the record, you said it's like maybe Dave Grohl hates Darcy. Who knows? Like, um, Dave, I remember dated Darcy's replacement in the Smashing Pumpkins for a couple of years. Oh, that's right. Melissa Alftemar. He hates Darcy. Confirmed. <laughs> Got him. We're unlocking all the conspiracies. My third yeah, eye I mean, is like, open. Yeah, 90s alt rock is very incestuous world. It is. It is for sure. I mean, like, consider uh, the when Kurt Cobain died, um, how many, like, who do we think killed Kurt Cobain? The list of guys. It was like, <laughs> I heard this guy was fucking Courtney Love. Like on the sly, so maybe it was him. I heard it was like I feel like 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 people who killed Kurt Cobain, Trent Reznor, uh, uh, Dave, I believe is on the list um, of of people accused. I don't know if Billy Corgan was ever actually like. I mean, probably just because conspiracy theories in 1994 are were not as wild as they are now, but like pretty wild still, and certainly about that. Yeah, I mean, also, and it was just like I don't know, pick a name. Sure. Let's uh, let's run with that for a little bit. That's fun. We're bored. There's no uh, fast internet yet. Yeah, I was. I would tell you, my drummer in high school was hard in the tank on Trent Reznor killed Kurt Cobain, which was wild to me. <laughs> yeah, hey, I don't he even know that. One. He was convinced. Yeah, I mean, I'd never heard this one either. He's like, oh yeah, it was it was Trent Reznor, man. Don't you know? Like Courtney put him up to it, and I was like, what the fuck? No, he no. didn't. Anyway, you want to do the four questions, son? Yeah. Good grief. For the record, I want to say it was uh, it was Tupac who killed Kurt Cobain. And then uh, Courtney killed Tupac as a revenge killing. And Biggie was just like a separate unrelated thing. Wow. So there you go. That's, that's, Thanks for clearing that up. Yeah, finally. That's some questions I could finally put to bed. Yeah, we can all move on as a nation. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we do this thing uh, after we talk this time for almost a full fucking hour. Um, four questions that sort of make it all make sense, hopefully. Mm. Um, question number one is, is one of culture, uh, one of history one of overall context and importance. One of these songs is going to stick around. The other one is going to vanish forever. <laughs> like it never fucking existed for the culture. Which one 
has to stay Joe. Ooh, I think bullet with butterfly wings has to stay because we have a finite amount of those Smashing Pumpkins songs and we need to hold on to them as long as we can. If we get rid of a Foo Fighters song, it is a drop in the bucket. They've got, you know, a, a dozen plus, several dozen at this point, you might argue. But like I said, Smashing Pumpkins, it's seven. We need to keep the seven families happy. Uh, and I think I think we keep bullet with butterfly wings and it, it will be, it will matter. But my hero, we can lose it. Doesn't, doesn't change anything about the Foo Fighters, but without bullet with butterfly wings, I think it, it changes, it changes a little something about smashing pumpkins. And so I think just cause I'm trying to maintain uh stasis here, I don't want, I don't want any butterfly effect. I mean, <laughs> boom, didn't, didn't even know butterfly effect. Didn't yeah. realize I was even saying that. I disagree. Okay, interesting. I think that if you take Bullet with Butterfly Wings out, um, Zero would have just taken its place. That's 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 fair. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, again, there's another track that I prefer to Bullet with Butterfly Wings. I think Zero is a better track. I think so too, but oh, I just think there's there's I do not there's just a, a few too many hooky things going on in Bullet with Butterfly Wings that just uh, captured the zeitgeist in that moment. That uh, if if zero could have done that, zero would have done that. I don't know yeah. if I agree. I, I truly think that like, you know, while there are certain aspects of things that are arbitrary, I think that it had had they pushed the one over the other, um, or if one had just not, simply not existed. Um, I don't know, man. I think I think zero's got a shot. And I'll tell you what, if not that, then obviously it's gonna be thirty three, my favorite track <laughs> off of that entire album. Um, that is not a song that would ever wind up on the radio, but it is, it is in some ways my, I think it had um, a video at least. Uh, they, I, they I pushed think it, it as a single. They put, I mean, but it was just, you know, and I think I've heard it on the radio maybe once and was like, what is this? But yeah, I like it because it really fits with the title of the album. There is a, there is a melancholy and infinitely sad song. Uh, surely if ever there was, um, but I don't know, man, like as good as, as I think that that song is sonically as fun as it is, um, Bullet with Butterfly Wings, I, I mean, um, I don't know. Between Zero and Tonight Tonight and, um, I don't know, Muzzle and 33 and 1979 and anything else you want to add to your own personal list, there's so much good shit on that record that I'm not sure that, like, you know, it, that it hurts that much. This would be easier if we were doing disarm versus zombie because like truly disarm could disappear and zombies just a better version of that same exact fucking song. Um, I, there's there's think, your hot take. I think you are both wrong. I think both of these would be huge losses uh, without bullet with butterfly wings. Uh, that is like their pinnacle, their, their peak, I would say. And I, I see your point about like there being tons of Foo Fighter songs and you could lose most of them without really altering their uh their legacy but obviously everlong you can't lose that one that would destroy everything and at number two it's obviously my hero that is the one that you would lose the most if you uh had erased a song from the foo fighters okay so wait I which mean, one are you picking i don't i don't know if like bullet with butterfly wings is their best song but it is their most important song so I would say that one okay. versus my hero, which is the second most important Foo Fighters song. I'll still stand by my hero just because I think that um, it's good to have more than one um, transcendent live experience. 
Um, <laughs> and I think the time like these really does do that, that there's something kind of angelic, like this, like, like, like a light suddenly shines down on you specifically. But I think my hero really does that too. And, uh, for them to lose, that would be uh, catastrophic. So I don't know. All right. Question number two, uh, is, is a, is a historical question. Uh, if you could be a fly on the wall, experience soup to nuts, the entire creation of, of the song, uh, all of it, including the music video, uh, which one would you want to uh, sort of see how the sausage got made? I'm more curious about bullet with butterfly wings because it's a more complex song and it has so many different hooks to it. And I want to, I also want to see, cause often I know we mentioned that, that Billy ha- at one point, maybe contemporarily said that this was the most collaborative album but he has tried to revise that about like, you know, I really was the, I was the, I was the Smashing Pumpkins. I would love to, I'm very curious about the dynamic of that band and how they work together and how it came together. There's a whole documentary series about how the Foo Fighters work together. We have plenty of access to, to see how Dave Grohl is and acts and works. There's cameras around him all the time. We basically get to be a fly on the wall for, I mean, who's to say there isn't already footage of my hero having uh, been written and recorded. I don't know. It just seems like they they do a good job of uh, keeping the, keeping the tabs on everything they're doing. Whereas smashing pumpkins. I don't know if that exists. So I I would pick, I would pick that. There is a surprising, but but wait, but what if, wait, I don't think they do have the, the, the experience of Dave writing my hero. What if I told you that you went and you and you were to fly on the wall and he stared at the wall and was like, this one's for you, Kurt, and then squirted out some tears. Then what would you say? You know, I get the sense that didn't happen, but. Yeah, I don't either. It would. I mean, if you're saying it did and I could come back with some fly knowledge to to, you know, break open this case, then man, it's a more difficult call. I like this idea of fly knowledge, like as a fly, you're gaining knowledge, but also this knowledge is fly. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's dope. (laughs) All right. You said like the, this is their most collaborative album or that's what he claimed. I mean, he had to claim that because there were like some reports about what a dick he was during the the recording of Siamese dream to the uh, point that he recorded all the parts himself, except for the drums. Right, right, right. He said, yeah, he has said things like that. So that's where that comes from. So that's why Bill, one of the first. Well, I don't know that uh, he was quoted as saying it. This is like uh, I'd read an article that was from like last year where I think there were quotes from people that were not Billy Corgan saying that like previous to this, like when they were doing Siamese dream. Okay. Yeah, it was report that that was like the first thing I heard, which was like the first uh, sign that Billy Corgan might be a giant control freak dick. Yeah, I want to see that if they were like a real (laughs) band, like trying to be a real band during melancholy, that might be interesting. Meanwhile, Dave Grohl, the quote-unquote nicest man in rock, uh, there was there was drama on the set of uh, Color in the Shape. Now, that's very true was, with the Matt Goldsmith, right? The other guy coming from mm-hmm, Sunny Day mm-hmm. Real Estate. I think that's his name. Yeah, uh, I'd have to look it up, but he didn't last very long. Like, he assembled, he made a, an album on his own, and then he assembled a band so he could be a real band on the second album, and then he fired the drummer. Or at least, no, he didn't fire the drummer. No. He just like, I, you know, fuck it. Uh, we're doing it live. I'm doing it myself. We recording. Like so he quit. That's a good point. You would get to see, you would get to hear the other, tra- see and hear the other drum track for my hero. Mm-hmm. 
which is that, that okay, that's that's pretty intriguing. Now, because you, you know, there was always this, uh, there's different stories that come from different people, right? That uh, Dave didn't like the drumming and, you know, he, he, he did it all himself. But then there's other people who are like, that dude was a, that dude was a good drummer. Like he hired him. He knew what he was getting. Uh, William Goldsmith is the name of the guy. William Goldsmith. And it was, it just a personality thing. So yeah, the, being a fly on the wall, you, you would definitely get uh, a more clear picture of like the potentially most fraught uh, album that, that they've ever done, at least for so, the drumming category. Yeah. I, it's I, pretty, this, I, this I is kind of tough to call, isn't it? Now yeah, all of a sudden really they is. both yeah. seem really interesting. Yeah. I remember when they, when the, the first Foo Fighters documentary came out, like Dave was like, had to warn the, all the bands like, uh, we're, there are parts in here where every single one of us looks not great. Yeah. And, uh, the, the 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 dynamics of both bands would be very interesting. I I'm not sure if I had to pick. I think I would pick the Foo Fighters simply because I would. I don't think I would want to spend much time with Billy Corgan, regardless. <laughs> Even if you're a fly, I guess that'll have to be the tiebreaker on that one. But what if All you right. could be a butterfly on the wall? Whoa. <laughs> wow! Uh, I, would I get hit by a bullet? Is that where that really hurt me? You yeah. are the bullet, my friend. Yeah. You could be a bullet with butterfly wings on the wall. Which would you? Oh, <laughs> uh, what a what? Uh, may, my questions used to, used to feel like they were interesting, and now you've made it seem like like my questions and and by extension me are stupid. Thanks, uh, you jerks. I would want to find out why they named it Bullet with Butterfly Wings. How's that? Sure. Yeah. That's that's a that's a bit of a mystery. I don't know. I remember. Uh, I remember an interview where someone asked the Goo Goo Dolls why that song is named Iris. And the guy was like, I don't know. Uh, I Billy Corgan's not the only one who can be pretentious. That's why it's called that. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Uh, question number three and a real weird one in this case. Uh, Megan the Stallion going to get up to a night of hot girl shit. She's got a playlist she's listening to as she gets ready. Uh, one and only one of these songs is going to be on that playlist. Which song now and forever is hot girl shit? Joe, you seem like you'd be an expert in this area. Uh, yeah, I, and that's just because I have I have said so publicly many times. Hot girl shit. Uh, it's not hot girl shit unless I have given it the stamp of approval. That's right. Um, and, and everyone knows this. That's part of the reason why you had me on. I get the sense. Now, yeah, I think it's got to be my hero. I think I think Megan is going to uh, connect with this song more than Bullet with Butterfly Wings. I think bullet with butterfly wings is angsty boy music and much more so than my hero. I think my hero can be hot girl shit. That's, and that's my, I mean, my hero has a beat and you can dance to it. Yeah, exactly. But for for me, like Megan is so pissed off about so many things lately. Okay. Okay. I, I think it has to go with bullet with butterfly wings. Like she has some rage in her that she has to express. And despite all of it, sometimes she might feel like a rat in a cage. Yeah. And I guess I would want to see her do a cover. Pumpkins on this one. Cover of Bullet with Butterfly Wings way more than I would want to see her do a cover of My Hero. Yeah. Agree. Agree. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to take Bullet with Butterfly Wings. This is great. I didn't even think about it. It's better than Doja Cat's cover of Celebrity Skin, (sighs) which, which was kind of just there. So (laughs) it sure was. That was a real, that was like, is there an alternate universe where like, 
that really, really trended for a long time. And that was like a big billboard hit. Just like, <laughs> like Luke Combs fast car was inexplicably <laughs> this massive hit. And you're like, why? It's uh. just like a slightly watered down version of <laughs> the, the, Ch- the Tracy Chapman version. What a weird thing that's happened. Anyway, uh, question number four, the most important question, not just the show, but also just the most important question that's ever been asked in all of human creation. William Shatner, uh, a thespian, equestrian, singer. We're going to give it to him. He's going to do a William Shatner version of one and only one of these two songs. Which one of these songs must be shat upon? I think Bullet with Butterfly Wings takes it's it by a, like it's a, a rap. This is, so, this is so clear. Like it's like there's all those all those little phrases that we've been kind of chuckling at imagine i mean just the world is a vampire just imagine my, dragons i mean just, I, and, yeah. I, and i do red green uh big small um but despite all my rage <laughs> it, it, i'm still just a rat in a cage just yeah every line of this is almost like teed up for i'm a little embarrassed that i haven't looked it up but like i feel like if i googled this there's a, there's it? a solid 50 percent chance it's already happened <laughs> Because it, it really seems in his wheelhouse, right? It, it really, really does. does. This is one more than more than almost any song we've ever posed this question for. Actually, feels like something he would have already done. <laughs> I'm looking into it. I don't. I don't see. I don't see anything. Uh, but may, you know, there's still time. He's, he's still with us. You so. still got a little time, Bill. <laughs> yeah. This is this is it. This is your chance. Come on, man. Of the bills. Oh my God, Bill and Billy. Yep. Billy Shatner. <laughs> what do you, what, do you, would mean, you like, like, would I, you agree Todd I mean there is absolutely nothing that I need to add to that like this is a, a very clear answer all right well now that we've talked for 10 billion years do you want to uh let the the listeners have their say they're usually more um intelligent more thoughtful than we are yes all right Jack Darnell writes in the words of Christopher Walken ladies and gentlemen foo fighters Oh man, you know the story about that one, right? Oh, big time, big. What time. a great story! Because they asked, he asked, he, asked them. he was polite, and they were like, "Emphasize fighters." <laughs> yeah, like they're like, "Where is the emphasis on this? Is it on the foo or is it on the fighters?" And they were like, "Oh, one hundred percent on the fighters." Who fighters? <laughs> Outstanding. Right. That's mean, but also hilarious. I think that's one of those moments where you're like, "It's allowed." Because also, right. what's going to happen to Christopher Walken? Nothing. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins have a Quentin Tarantino intro where he like he like throws up the horns and is like Smashing Pumpkins. It's very I hate dorky. That. It's very dorky. I hate, that. I hate that so much. And then, a, and, and, then he's, and then thing. while they played, he stared at Darcy's feet the entire time. <laughs> Boom. Let him cook. Yeah, I hope you're wearing boots, Darcy. <laughs> All right, Jesse Allure writes. This is the second best Foo Fighters. Uh, I'm sorry, I cut this. That one, Paul, I'm reading the wrong one. That one's not good. All right. Daniel Schultz writes, on the one hand, Bullet with Butterfly Wings is the more quintessential song, the more historically significant song, and in my opinion, the slightly better song. On the other hand, Billy Corgan made Fox News's Tyrus NWA world champion for several months, and Dave Grohl never did anything that artistically reprehensible decisions decisions. That is some kind of wrestling reference that I don't know. 
I don't but know anything. I don't know anything about this. I don't know that either. <laughs> I don't understand why who Fox News's Tyrus so is. I I kind of do. Tyrus is a professional wrestler who is often a commentator on Fox News shows like Gutfeld and the like. So yeah, he is politically on the right and also a big a big a strong wrestler. Well, I know that Billy Corgan ran that wrestling organization for a tiny bit because nothing Billy Corgan does makes any goddamn sense. You know, he's, he's chatted with Alex Jones and uh, kind of flirted with, with the alt right as they say. So yeah, like the, the, he is, he's working very hard to make people forget that uh, that ever happened. Trying yeah. to be like respectful and classy in interviews and be thoughtful and insightful and not say all the horrible fucking shit he's yeah. fucking said for the last 15 years. Wonder why. All right. Nathan Spradlin writes, what the hell does Jesus being an only son have to do with a vampire world that drains your soul while feeling right like a rat in a cage? I'm voting for my hero. No, I don't know what any of bullet with butterfly wings e- means either. Yeah. I don't know I, why the world I don't think it matters, but yeah. He wrote, no, it for 12, think- he wrote it for 12-year-olds. I really stand by that. Everything about that has got big 12-year-old energy. <laughs> All right. Charlie writes, I'm not convinced anyone really likes the Foo Fighters music after their third album. We just like Dave Grohl, and we keep showing up to be supportive friends. Well, this is their second album, so okay. check mate, buddy. I like a couple of their uh, 2000s and onward songs. Yeah, me but too. But I definitely was not. Not as big as into them as I was during the '90s, or at least, and that's fair. I think you know their 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 best work is in the '90s, but I think there's plenty of good songs in the 2000s and beyond. They have a song I really like called "Wheels," which sounds exactly like a Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their late period, they have a few songs that are uh, one word, like "Rope" and "Walk" and "Wheels," that I think are all all pretty good. Arlandria, I liked. Yeah. Anyway, Griffin writes. I was attacked by a swarm of bees as a child. So naturally I associate Billy Corgan's voice with serious trauma. He sounds like bees is the joke. Oh, like bees. That's weird. Hmm. Uh, maybe. Uh, all right. Maybe, 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 maybe. See, if I, if I, if I had gotten chased around by bees, I would, I would have a weird aversion to, um, the Macaulay Culkin, um, feature my girl my girl yes or blind uh, melon. If we're going to talk about, oh, music. yeah, the bee girl would freak me the fuck yeah. out. Yeah, for the record, I was carried to Ohio on a swarm of bees once. Wasn't fun. Anyway, Championess writes, not using Everlong for this feels like a deliberate nerf. <laughs> it was. <Yeah. laughs> I admitted that at the beginning of the episode. Let me see here. David Yurch writes, siding with Billy Corgan is like choosing the quirky, wisecracking best friend as your favorite character. There are plenty of times I regret it, but I can only pretend that the cooler and more conventionally good looking option reflects who I am for so long. Look, I get in response to that. I want to say, like, I get relating to Billy more than Dave, but like, I can't imagine ever comparing Billy Corgan to your quirky best friend. He is like my He's worst nobody's enemy. best friend. Yeah. He's nobody's friend, period. Yeah. No, the, the, that doesn't fit. And I, I get I get where they're going with that. But it, no, he's uh, he's your he's maybe your quirky best friend's weird older brother. Yeah, he's the antagonist. What, what are we doing here? He's he's the villain. He's just yes. the villain. He's Dr. Evil. Oh, my God. He's what is he sip? Uh, I just realized this this whole uh this whole uh, um, 
episode is a hero versus zero. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, the groans. All right. Philip Fry writes, I voted for my hero officially, but spiritually, I got to give my vote to Homer Simpson smiling politely. <laughs> All right. And one last one. Graham writes, if this was Billy Corgan versus Dave Grohl, you might have had the first ever unanimous vote. That's for sure. All right. We have done all we intended to do, so now it is time for one last thing. The results. Who do you think won it? Either of you. Interesting. It seemed like a lot of the messages you received felt pro my hero. But I'm going to go with my gut and say bullet with butterfly wings for the reasons that I thought it should win. We'll we'll take it. I think that uh, insofar as this show is ever a popularity contest, which is to say... Um, at least partway. Um, I think that Billy Corgan has managed to do such damage <laughs> to, to, to his career and the career of everyone in the Smashing Pumpkins that, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think Foo Fighters is probably going to take it. I think my hero will probably win out in the end. All right. Well, here are the results. For a total of 361 to 273. That is 57% to 43%. So, you know, fairly even for one of ours. The world is, in fact, a vampire. Wow. Well, well. Wow. I think the right choice was made. Imagine how much more that might have won if not for Billy Corkin. Right. Yeah. Against all, <laughs> against all odds, in a way. Like, if. if Despite Billy all or- his rage. You know, uh, <laughs> very good. Yeah. If Billy Corgan had spent, like, the last 20 years with maybe not. Dave Grawl's career, but Dave Grawl's reputation, like it might have been like through the roof. I think it would be different. The, the world, yeah, or, the world you know, wouldn't be a vampire. The world would be a nice, a nice young man. <laughs> I don't think the I'm world the other- is a vampire. I think Billy Corgan's the vampire, and he's just trying to throw us off the scent. Mm, I see. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I don't suck. The world sucks. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you ever see Billy Corgan go go into a house without being invited first? Mm-hmm. Huh? Mm-hmm. 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 You ever seen him eat a garlic? Mm-hmm. Ever seen mm-hmm. him looking at like his reflection? Garlic. Yeah. I don't think Why so. Why do you think you shaved his head? You, you don't know, really I have gotta... to get ready. <laughs> you don't look in the mirror if you got no hair. Yeah, I mean, be fine. Look at a picture of Nosferatu. Look at a picture, look of, a picture Billy of Billy Corgan. Billy Corgan is just a, just a round vampire. He's just a cherub. He's if, if, if a cherubim angel was a vampire. You know, actually, I kind of th- wonder if like Billy Corgan wasn't helped by the fact that he disappears after the nineties. Like there's a lot of Dave Grohl in the world. And there's, I don't know about your listeners necessarily, but they might think like Foo Fighters are lame. You know, they have, they might, they might, if there was a coolness legacy to be uh, established that they, by continuing to put up music that everybody has to hear, they've potentially tarnished that. Whereas Billy, who did make music that nobody liked, nobody really heard it. So his stuff is the smashing pumpkin stuff is a little more yeah. case than Amber overplay might've, might've hurt Dave. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. We didn't I, even I, talk I like, about the fact that like, there's a whole generation of women who play instruments who like Darcy was a huge influence for them just because they, they thought, I mean, like there's not a lot of people out there that are doing this. Totally. Um, and so I've, you know, Darcy's influence at the time, I have no idea what it is now, but uh, I definitely remember it was a big deal then. 
Um, and I feel like James Eha also. Uh, I was going to bring that we, up. We, we didn't. We didn't even talk about him, which is wild. How many Asian rock stars are there? Period. Let alone in the '90s. It's you know. But also just that he was tremendously good at, at what he did, um, and also was very pretty. Uh, <laughs> Had great, cool, great hair. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I James Eha was one of those guys that like. Um, Every girl I knew had a crush on him and also many men um, also had a crush on him and, and half of those men were very confused about it. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, also I think that despite what Billy Corgan has done, people will always still think that James E. Howe is pretty cool. And I think that there will always be people that, 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 that stand pretty hard for, for Darcy. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, would you like to plug your album one more time? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, what I put together was kind of a throwback, this a sketch album that has funny songs on it. You know, if if you like Adam Sandler or Tenacious D or that type of uh, project, something I, I put a lot of work into, and I'm very proud of it. It's called Funny Songs and Sketches, and you can find it on pretty much anywhere you listen to or purchase music, whether that is Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Amazon, what have you, uh, check it out. I think, I think listeners like yours that uh, appreciate music, uh, and having a laugh might like it. All right. Well, one last thing, please. If you like that, check that out. And if you like us go to Patreon, toss us a dollar. You get our bonus episodes this month. You uh, you guys made us watch Over the Garden Wall, which turned out to be pretty cute. And uh, and we had some thoughts about that. And if you donate twenty dollars, you can help decide what we uh, you can uh, put in a suggestion for the poll that to, that decides what we watch. So if you want to do that or if you just want to help us out, we'd like money. We need money. We kind of need money. We're always kind of desperate. So and, and give us a, a review. Five stars. Yes. A five, five star review would be only. great also. Yeah, write a, write a review about how great we are. Five stars. All right, one last thing. Yes. Lena, are you ready for the next episode? I'm exhausted, so no, but I will be ready by the time we get to it. What is it? We will be doing Shakira featuring Wyclef Johns, Hips Don't Lie, versus Nelly Furtado featuring Timbaland's promiscuous. Ooh. That's a good matchup. That's a good <laughs> matchup. Taking it back to 2006, baby. All, All right. right. All right. Thank you for joining us, Joe Quasala. Thank you for joining me, Lena Morgan, for this podcast we do twice a month. <laughs> All right. Thanks, yes. folks. See you Bye. in the next five years. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>